Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is Letting Go of What We Want. For those of us who have survived by controlling and surrendering, letting go may not come easily. In recovery, we learn that it is important to identify what we want and need. Where does this concept leave us with a large but clearly identified package of currently unmet wants and needs? We've taken the risk to stop denying and to start accepting what we want and need. The problem is the want or need hangs there, unmet. This can be a frustrating, painful, annoying, and sometimes obsession-producing place to be. After identifying our needs, there is the next step in getting our wants and needs met. The step is one of the spiritual ironies of recovery. The next step is letting go of our wants and needs after we have taken painstaking steps to identify them. We let them go, we give them up on a mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical level. Sometimes this means we need to give up. It is not always easy to get to this place, but this is usually where we need to go. How often I have denied a want or need, then gone through the steps to identify my needs only to become annoyed, frustrated, and challenged because I don't have what I want and don't know how to get it. If I then embark on a plan to control or influence getting that want or need met, I usually make things worse. Searching, trying to control the process does not work. I must have learned to my dismay, let go. You know, and I think that is where, you know, faith comes in for me and also just, you know, the opposite of control for me is like letting go and, and some, you know, without the the programs and without being in recovery, I don't really think I ever would have let go. Even if I intellectually knew that that was the only way to do things. Back to the reading. Sometimes I even have to go to the point of saying, I don't want it. I realize it's important to me, but I cannot control obtaining that in my life. It sounds like acceptance there. Now, I don't care anymore if I have it or not. In fact, I'm going to be absolutely happy without it, without any hope of getting it, because hoping to get it is making me nuts. The more I hope and try to get it, the more frustrated I feel because I'm not getting it. Yeah, do I value peace and clarity or do I, you know, and, and I, I'm really starting to value peace and clarity. I really like this uh, this last paragraph. I don't know why this process works this way. I know only that this is how the process works for me. I have found no way around the concept of letting go. We often can have what we really want to need or something better. Letting go is a part of what we do to get it. And I think that's a crucial point for me to remember. A lot of times I didn't get what I wanted or needed in life looking back and I got something way better. And the only reason I got it was that there was some moment or one of the reasons was I was willing to give up the reins, give up the need to know how it will all turn out. (laughs) Back to the reading. Today, I will strive to let go of those wants and needs that are causing me frustration. I will enter them on my goal list and struggle to let go. I will trust God to bring me the desires of my heart in God's time and in God's way. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty, and the topic is accepting powerlessness. Since I've been a child, I've been in an antagonistic relationship with an important emotional part of myself, my feelings. I've consistently tried to ignore, repress, or force my feelings away. I've tried to create unnatural feelings or force away feelings that were present. 
you know, and I, I think growing up in the dysfunctional family, it was like, first off, it was not encouraged. Number two, it was not useful. And number three, intellectualizing became a way for me to dissociate. And now, as I've been encouraged and also synchronistic, you know, I just, just a lot of synchronicity with regard to feeling your feelings. I'm seeing it everywhere and how important it is and how that's really the compass. It's not, you know, there's books across, across the room. It's not like reading those books and considering books authority figures, you know, it's starting with feelings, you know, and I keep coming back to that book, Gift of Fear, and I've recommended it to people, and I, you know, I've read it because I know it's about, like, trusting your intuition and your feelings. I probably will read it at some point. Back to the reading. I've denied I was angry when, in fact, I was furious. I've told myself that there must be something wrong with me for feeling angry when anger was a reasonable and logical response to the situation. Yeah, I'm kind of going through that right now. And I just realized it was reasonable um, to constantly have boundaries, you know, violated. And then, you know, realizing that for me to enforce boundaries, I'm going to have to do that similar way with assertiveness uh, consistently. I've told myself things didn't hurt when they hurt very much. I've told myself stories such as that person didn't mean to hurt me or he or she doesn't know any better. That's the big one. Um, you know, just because this stuff is a generational thing, he or she doesn't know any better. Or they were doing the best they could. It's very dangerous. Back to the reading. I need to be more understanding. The problem was that I had already been too understanding of the other person and not understanding and compassionate enough with myself. Ooh, this is good. It has not just been the large feelings I've been at war with. I've been battling the whole emotional aspect of myself. I've tried to use spiritual energy, mental energy, and even physical exertion to not feel what I need to feel to be healthy and alive. I didn't succeed at my attempts to control emotions. Emotional control has been a survival behavior for me. I can thank that behavior for helping me get through many years in situations where I didn't have any better options, but I've learned a healthier behavior accepting my feeling I'll say that a couple more times but i have learned a healthier behavior accepting my feelings i've learned a healthier behavior and accepting my feelings we are meant to feel part of our dysfunction is trying to deny or change that part of a recovery means learning to go with the flow of what we're feeling and what our feelings are trying to tell us we're responsible for our behaviors but we do not have to control our feelings. We can let them happen. We can learn to embrace, enjoy, and experience, feel the emotional part of ourselves. Today, I will stop trying to force and control my emotions. Instead, I will give power and freedom to the emotional part of myself. Ooh, this is great. Now we go to strengthening my recovery, and the topic is isolation. Our experience shows that you cannot recover in isolation. Many of our childhood memories center around the isolation we felt in our homes while growing up. We may have had few or no childhood friends. To have friends could have placed us in a position where we, they would want to come to our house, and we couldn't risk that. The lack of close friendships deepened the sadness and loneliness we already faced on a regular basis. That loneliness also affected us as adults, where many of us felt a social awkwardness that fueled both addiction and isolation. Wow, does this nail everything. We experienced the feeling of being alone, even in a crowd. We felt lonely, even when we were in a relationship. Fear of failure, lack of trust, 
and fear of abandonment. That last one, I didn't even know I had that before I came into the, these these particular rooms. Compounded things by leading many of us to choose others who also lack the skills to have a healthy relationship. And this is one of the promises I think, you know, of doing this is, you know, I see that path to a healthy relationship and it might not be a straight path and it might not be a quick path, but I see that path and, and that's what makes, you know, it's a lot of work and uh, it's also one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. Back to the reading. Attending ACA meetings is the first step in breaking the pattern of loneliness and isolation. As we keep coming back, we are amazed to hear our own stories coming out of the mouths of others in the room. We realize we don't have to be alone in our despair. We have found people who will love and accept us, even before we can love and accept ourselves. Thank God for that. I mean, really. I mean, just to pause and take a gratitude for that. I mean, it was something I heard, but it's so true. I'll just repeat it. We realize we don't have to be alone in our despair. We have found people who will love and accept us, even before we can love and accept ourselves. In ACA, we are home, maybe for the first time in our lives. On this day, I will allow my fellow travelers to touch my life and know they will support me through my journey. And the final reading is Tradition 7. In ACA, we learn to give for the right reason, and we learn the right amount to give. We give a fair share and let others give their fair share, so we all take ownership in ACA. In ACA meetings, the seventh tradition reminds us that we contribute as we are able. There was a time when a quarter was thought to be enough. As times changed, a dollar seemed about right. More recently, $2 has become the more the norm. As fellowship grows, the need for financial con contributions from members may also grow. Some groups pay higher rents and may ask members to contribute more if they can. However, this is not obligatory and never a requirement for membership. Financial contributions support not only individual meetings, but also local intergroup and the World Service Organization, which spreads their message around the globe. The WSO hires special workers for its literature distribution center, Translations have to be verified, books printed, and shipped. Much occurs behind the scenes to make carrying the ACA message possible. Like other 12-step fellowships, ACA does not depend on anyone else to take care of our house. Being fully self-supporting, we do not owe outside interests, so no one else tells us where or how to carry our message. On this day, I will give the financial contrib contribution I can so that the meetings I attend will thrive. I do my part to ensure that the ACA message is available to the still-suffering adult child of my community and around the world. And that concludes today's episode of Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kowan Saluja reminding myself to feel my feelings, to accept my feelings, to pause because that's where God is, to love myself, and to be still and know.